Hey, welcome to today's podcast. I made a TikTok video recently about doing conscious boundaries with my kid. And I talked about being very mindful to not spread lack or scarcity mindset that I have been trying to unlearn myself since awakening and healing. I got a bunch of comments and questions on the concept. And the more I thought about the answers, the more shadows were coming up for me. And I know from all my other shit shows, (laughs) if it comes up for me, there's a good chance it will resonate with you or, you know, a friend or something. (laughs) So I think most of us have felt at one point or another, maybe even most of the time, uh, that's where I used to be, that you never have enough time, never have enough money. When this happens, then I'll finally be good, right? That's an everyday example of what lack and scarcity mindset looks like. And knowing the anxiety that always came with it for me, I didn't want to pass that crap on to my kid. So here's what we've been doing over here. (laughs) And as many of you know, a lot of my content is on being a more conscious parent and just human, right? Um, What if I told you that I have always hated, like really hated sharing? I know, Oh, way to be a good human, Christina. So you're basically admitting to being greedy. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I know that's what it looks like. So that judgment keeps us pushing the shadow away. Nothing to see here. Ew, who the hell wants to admit to not liking to share? (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Um, I see you, shadow. And I raise you talking about it publicly. (laughs) Some may have heard this referred to as lack or scarcity mindset, and there is so much more to this going on. It might look like constantly worrying about things running out, always feeling like you don't have enough. This could be money, time, food, energy, anything really. And I want to add that it's not with everything for me. But I have had this a ton before healing and awakening uh, when my anxiety was like off the charts. Even if you didn't grow up in what you would consider poverty, this can still be conditioned into us through modeling and or trauma. See if any of these apply to you. And of course, I won't just go, okay, cool. So you're messed up too. That's great. (laughs) I'll be sharing what I have done to work through what's really driving this control. And why do we feel like we need to control things? Fear. So how does this look in real life? Well, there's a bunch, but two stick out to me. Being impatient. Oh my God. I really, I do. I work on that constantly. And feeling like you're always behind. And oh, I I feel this all, especially the struggle to catch the impatience, like with getting ready and getting a kid ready, getting out the door. An example of lack mindset is you're on a diet and all you can think about is the food you can't eat anymore instead of all the foods that you can eat, which would be the abundance mindset. An example of scarcity mindset is bills, other responsibilities that are piling up. And this is an interesting one. Saying yes to opportunities that aren't right for you because you're afraid another one won't come. 
Oh my God. I think most of us get all of those things, right? I can remember being younger, like going out on a date with somebody that you knew probably you shouldn't, but oh, well, you know, like at least it's something going on. Oh my God. We've all been there, right? Okay. So now we get the concepts. The way I see it is when we figure out uh, what the concepts are, then we got to figure out how we got there. Then we can figure out how we get out of it (laughs) and teach our kids differently too. Oh, and I figured out some crazy ways I got there. (laughs) Wait till you hear this and see if anything comes up for you too, friend. Some of this is taught by our caregivers projecting their fears, society in general, and even the media. Side note, it's why many believe the powers that be hate TikTok. When you share information and resources, you get out of scarcity and into abundance mindset. And that is not great for business (laughs) and controlling shit and people. Okay, I'm done with that for now, but think about it. (laughs) One way I see this a lot is if you had siblings. If you had unicorn parents that handled your possessions consciously, good for you. (laughs) And I really mean that. Not in an a-hole way, (laughs) but I think for many, they felt like they were constantly forced to share. And this could also be like, also like our parents don't want us to look like we don't like to share because that's a reflection on them. Um, And I think many felt like they were constantly forced to do this. And what that does is it makes you feel like nothing is ever truly yours. And so as you get older and have some sort of say, you might hold on to your stuff tighter then you really need to or worry subconsciously that someone's going to take your stuff or force you to give up your stuff. I wonder if this is something that, because my husband's family came from Cuba and, you know, a lot of people were forced to give up their businesses, their money, their belongings. I wonder if this subconsciously plays on them a lot too. I don't know, just something interesting I thought of. So there's an extra layer of worry and anxiety over what you have and will be extra aware of what you don't have, which looks like to some like you're shitty at sharing, which sounds and looks terrible, right? So we're just going to pretend that we're not cringing when someone asks us for something or some of what we have, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. (laughs) Now, I didn't have siblings near my age, Uh, for a long, long time. Um, So that wasn't the real issue for me. Here's how it went down for me. And it actually freaked me out a little when I realized how my mind was perceiving this. So I moved like 10 times before I was even 12 years old. I know, like 10 times before 12. Like the math ain't even mathing. I know, it was not awesome. (laughs) And with that, I had very little autonomy with my belongings. I was at the mercy of whoever was moving my stuff that said what I was allowed to take. And there were always things that didn't make it. So after, say, the first three times, I'm sure I had anxiety of not just leaving everyone I knew in the place I was, 
but what wasn't going to be at the next house, um, which leads to the next issue. Both of my parents left me with other family members, abusive, very much mentally unwell family members. So I couldn't rely on my caregivers for safety. So I actually put my sense of safety into my things. There was so much instability and lack of safety that I had a real fear to be without the things. I had a better shot in my mind with material things than I did with actual people. God, right? So that led me to needing to control things. Oh my God. Like, how am I even here doing this with you right now? Like, I swear to God. (laughs) But here we are. Um, And I'm grateful. So I had, this this takes the next level. So I had a mentally ill step-parent that not only did weird traumatic shit all the time, but bonus points also stole from me as a kid, like Christmas money, birthday money, etc. And I would like hide it in the craziest place I could think of, like a hole in one of my teddy bear's feet. And she always found that shit. <laughs> oh my. And I can talk about it now like this because I've done the healing on it. But at the time, I was devastated and cried in disbelief that she did it again. I had nothing again. I already felt like I had no control over my life, where I went, what happened to me. And now I couldn't even buy myself some damn Starburst or something. (laughs) Right? Like, come on, man. So, oh, and let me tell you, healing is a hell of a thing. I know it's hard to even fathom how to have compassion for someone doing that. But one day it hit me what was going on for her. I think spirit tosses me a bone when I do my shadow work. (laughs) Like, ah, she finally doesn't care. Now we'll tell her. (laughs) Right? She was in a super controlling marriage to my father. He had all the control over what money she could have, where she could go, what she could do, all with two babies and me. It wasn't greed. As much as I wanted to believe that growing up, it was an act of desperation to be able to do something, buy something, just to have money of her own, of her own free will, even if it took stealing from a child to be able to do it. Not an okay at all. And man, did I hate her for a long time. Um, It was the cherry on top of all the other abuse that was happening. But seeing the other person's side and having compassion released me from the anger and resentment and how I perceived the physical act itself. I actually got sad for her when I realized how trapped and desperate she must have been to feel like she needed to do something like that. And every time I thought about it in anger, even in my adult years, I was still suffering for shit that happened when I was eight. (laughs) And it changed my perception of safety with belongings up until healing that. I was a victim. 
And that is one of the hallmarks of lack and scarcity mindset. So sharing a snack or running low on something would send me into mini panics all day long. Oh, and also stop me from using some things because I was waiting for the perfect moment. And I got so nervous about it that a lot of stuff went bad before I could even use it. It was such a, oh my God, double-edged sword. Calculating, always calculating in my mind. How much do I have left? How long do I have until it might run out? Driving myself and my husband crazy, by the way. Like, if my lotion was halfway out, I already had to have another one ready. Or I would be anxious about it until I got one. It, it makes us look cold. Like we're crazy assholes that just don't want to share. <laughs> no, I'm totally afraid of the idea of losing anything because I had attached security and safety to my belongings. The stuff wasn't just stuff for me. They were placeholders for what the people around me growing up should have been, but were unable to be. Well, that's sad, huh? (laughs) And when you have a kid who you don't want to pass this crap down to, and you wonder why everyone says, oh, your kid will reveal all your unresolved bullshit. (laughs) Don't worry, friend. It's muddy, but we got good boots. We just got to put them on. (laughs) And for me, I am not really trying to teach my kid to share. I know. I'm not, I'm not teaching him to share. I am teaching him to want to share. And there's a big difference. How do you do that? Make it safe to share. Because the core issue is not about the stuff. To me, it's about teaching them that he has safety and stability with me, but more importantly, within himself. That his world, because perception is reality, is abundant, and there is more than enough for everyone. Ah, that sounds good, Christina. How do you teach that when you don't believe it? (laughs) I totally get that. I had to create that safety for myself. Inner child and shadow work time. (laughs) I went in mentally and validated the especially hurtful times with her belongings What happened here was not okay. I am so sorry that people stole from you and were never reliable enough to not put all your love and trust into things. I get how angry, worried, and scared it makes you feel to not have something. I have you now. We are in charge of where we go and what we do now. People that had their own issues convinced you to be afraid that someone was always going to take your stuff and that there was never enough to feel safe. It was never the stuff that you needed. It was what the stuff stood for. I am going to build our safety and security now. You can rely on me now. The stuff is replaceable And there is more than enough for everyone because we are solid now. 
And I tell the same thing to my son when it comes to running out of something, using the last of something. My gut reaction is, oh no. And then I wait and remind myself and him, that's not our reality anymore. Next thing was modeling, being abundant and generous. And it's a little uncomfortable sometimes, I'm not going to lie, because I have moments of like, oh, but what if I need it? Oh, stop it, brain. (laughs) Actions override thoughts and emotions over time. So we are doing this shit. (laughs) So when I see an item that I catch that I'm saving, I use that shit and I give thanks and tell myself we always get what we need. When I want to take a smaller portion than I actually need of something, like as simple as hand cream, I override the thought and give myself more, doing the action, telling myself that now we live in an abundant reality. Things are always working out for us and more will come. Maybe even better when we run out because then we'll have an opportunity to see a new item that might be better than the last one. On a bigger scale, like when I see a homeless person, I always stop and give something. And I make sure that I show that to my son. I always gave food to the homeless and stuff like that. But ever since awakening, it went into like turbo empathy. And it's actually like physically hard for me not to help when someone is in need. As long as I am taking care of myself enough too. There has to be that balance. You have to love yourself the most. So as long as I am okay in that moment to give, then of course I do. They are me and I am them. And I tell my son, even when there is a weird part of me that doesn't want to share something, I offer some to him. And I tell him that we can always get more. And I'm reminding myself at the same time too and my inner child. This is a small thing. But I think we say this a lot and it adds up and words are spells. So I am conscious of it. Wasting time or wasting money. I have said it and my kid has said it and I correct myself and him. If you enjoy what you are doing, if you enjoy what you are spending money on, you are using the time, using the money. There is no wasting of anything that only has us sitting in regret and guilt. And then we are more afraid to use time and money again. (laughs) The way I say it to him is we are choosing how we use it. Sometimes it's a preferred way, sometimes not. And we can learn and adjust from it, but never a waste, just an experience neutral. Lastly, which I have done for quite some time is a gratitude practice. And I'm going to tell you, it won't work or at least not well until you do the shadow work because your brain won't truly believe it. The subconscious is where the magic happens or where the shitty program is still hiding. (laughs) In the morning, right when I wake up, before I do anything, while your brain is still in theta, Um, And it also happens the last like five minutes before you fall asleep or while you're asleep also. It's soaking in everything to your subconscious brain like a sponge. 
I listen to guided gratitude meditations. And every evening I do a simple gratitude journal with my kid, just pointing out the great things that happened that day and what we're thankful for. I got it on Amazon called The Little Things, and I really like it. Uh, It might sound woo-woo, like gratitude and things like that, but science shows that gratitude helps mentally and physically improve our whole being, improve sleep, mood, and immunity. Even aches and pains are helped by gratitude. But we can't get there if we're constantly afraid of the other shoe dropping. So if you or someone you know is not the best at sharing, know there is always so much more going on than it appears. Whenever we act in a way that is not loving, that was taught behavior and not our true selves. Get in there. Make friends with that scared kid. They're not greedy. They do need to feel safe enough to share. And adult us can help them get there. And when we model safety and generosity to our kids, the world treats each other better and better. Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Share something with someone today and look up those meditations if it's really hard to do so. You're not alone, friend. Sending you so much love. Take care. See you on the next one.